Let us pray, shall we? Father, we recognize that you are head of the church through your Son. We rejoice that in Christ every good thing exists and is able to, by his Spirit, lead us into all truth, that we can become effective unto all good works. Father, we thank you for our church, the significance of it because of Christ. And we pray again this morning that you will continue to be with our nursery workers, uh, take care of our children, babies. Thank you for the boards and leadership of the church, the staff. Thank you for every congregant that's here that's a part of this church. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to brood upon us. We rejoice in your presence with us always, evidenced by smiles and laughter, Uh, expressions of biblical truth, expressions of respect for each other. And we thank you, Lord, for your watch care of us, our church, over these last hundred and some odd years. And we trust you will continue to brood upon us as it relates to the months that lie ahead, as it relates to finding a new lead pastor. May your will be accomplished and help us to uh, serve you with our thoughts and our wills. And trust you by faith to see what you have in store for us. And as we are united together in the strength of the gospel, we trust that you will continue to lead us and guide us in every step of the way. Bless us together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. About six weeks ago, of course, the board of elders of your church started to talk to me. Well, we were residing in our home in uh, Tacoa, Georgia. And God has a sadistic sense of humor, I might add. We worked very hard to move south to be out of winter and so on and so forth. And This is our third interim pastorate, and we are in the north for the third one. So either he's trying to endure something with us or make a point, I'm not sure which, but I am convinced that the Lord led us to Tacoa to live for whatever the season of time that we have left. I need to say a couple things to you. Um, It's been my privilege to be interviewed a few times over the course of my 66 years. In a few weeks, I'll be 66 years old. And I need to say that your elders interviewed me well. And the time that we spent together here at the church back uh, just before Thanksgiving and also subsequent uh, conversations with the board, teleconference calls. There is a clear sense that uh, God has used your leaders to um, bring us to this place, and of course the Lord has nurtured our hearts as well. Trust with me that as you pray for us, that we will be able to accomplish the task that is before us as a senior interim pastor. I can never become your lead pastor. Uh, first, I'm too old and too cranky. And, um, and of course, I've signed contracts to the same as I worked for Interim Pastor Ministries as a Christian and Missionary Alliance pastor. So we're all in this thing together. And uh, you, the congregation, it's, it's vital that you pray and, and ask questions and Communicate with us what your thoughts are relative to the process of gathering content and detail as it relates to uh, the gift mix 
of a new lead pastor to serve this church uh, subsequent to our departure. And it's critical that we really take this seriously and recognize that God has uh, great things in store for this as a church. I'm also reminded as well, this church is at least 103 years old, according to your records. And I have not been a part of any decision of this church until about six weeks ago. And look at what God has done for you as a congregation. So I'm humbled to be a part of it, to gather information, to see what God would have for us as it relates to the process leading to a, a new lead pastor. So we need your prayers and your support and your questions and your discussions relative to the same. We'll be doing all kinds of interviewing over the next several months and gathering information. And that's what my responsibility is all about as it relates to what the elders have asked me to do, along with the district superintendent and so on and so forth. So we're in this thing together, and we're going to have a party. And we're going to see what God has for us during these days together. I would like to now invite you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We had those words read for us in unison, back and forth, as it relates to God's love and testament in the life of Jeremiah. And now this morning we want to look at that as it relates to transition for our church and its ministry. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Just think of it, an aid. You think God was smart enough to choose an aid to succeed the life of Moses? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you will, and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelis. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert, from Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country, and to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That verse surfaces many times in Scripture. Verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Mentoring, of course. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it night and day so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Transition. Uh, That seems to be the buzzword these days as we have embarked upon the beautiful church known as First Alliance Church of Erie, Pennsylvania. Every one of us in the service this morning have had various experiences with transition. Can you recall the time when you sent your first child off to school for the very first time? And how that impacted you as a couple? Recognizing you're going to be giving your child to an educational system that maybe we don't totally support or agree with, but that's the law of the land. And you gave your child to the school system. What were some of the thoughts that you went through as you joined relationship in marriage and you stood before a pastor or the justice of the peace and said your vows? And how that transition ultimately impacted you tremendously as it relates to your lives today. What about the transition of going from one job to another? Maybe not too pleasant. Or the trans, uh, or the, uh, the, the whole issue of, of transitioning from a job to unemployment. Recall in our last experience in South Dakota where a, a woman was brought into a party with her peers and her leaders, received all kinds of accolades, received a trip, a cruise. When she came back the next day, she was fired. Transition. All of us are in various types and forms of transition. The church, of course, is not any different. This church in particular. We're transitioning. And that will be with us for a number of months until, of course, our new lead pastor is ultimately chosen and comes to minister to us as a church family. Joshua chapter 1 gives us a clear example of transition between a leader and a new leader. Moses to Joshua. And, of course, in the Old Testament, we have a theocracy, which means that God was in charge of all of this, and he was the one who basically chose the leaders to serve his chosen people, the children of Israel. So as we come into uh, verses 1 through 3 of Joshua chapter 1, we notice that God begins with a promise. He's not going to leave Joshua. He's going to give people a lot of land. Now, let me just say this as it relates to a lot of land. Uh, when you go to uh, Israel, and we've been there, of course, and it's, it's about 130 miles, no, it's about 80 miles across, and about 130 miles uh, from the top to the bottom of that country. So when you think of it in terms of the state of Pennsylvania, how far is Pittsburgh from here? It's about two hours that's about 100 miles, right? Driving as you get old and crotchety like me, you drive a little slower and so on and so forth. And how far is it from here to Cleveland? About 80 miles. That's about the size of Israel. So you've got to bring yourself back to recognize that Israel is a pretty small country. But as far as Joshua is concerned, it was a pretty big portion of real estate. 
And God said to Joshua, you're going to inherit this land. There's not a lot of detail here as far as uh, God speaking to Joshua as it relates to how this is all going to come about. But God promised Joshua His presence like Moses. And God is not going to fail him. Now, as we think of some detail this morning, how, how much detail do we have relative to the process of a choosing of a new lead pastor? There, there's not a lot of detail given to us at this particular point. Oh, we're going to start the process. We're going to have discussions and so on and so forth. But what's the content? We're going to discover that. Be assured, friends, this morning that as Christ is head of the church, He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will give us the proper content through process. Your discussion as well as to who should be that next uh, lead pastor. And I have no clue. And as we think of the promises of God and recognizing the church as a great promise of God as well, someday we're going to reign with Christ. We don't know how much detail we're going to require to reign with Christ, but He will give it to us as necessary. That's His will and testament to us. God loves His church. He's going to protect His church. He's going to bless His church. It's going to have a vital ministry in our culture, in our society. And He will lead us together to ultimately reign with Christ someday. But as you notice, uh, verse 6 of Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. Be strong. God says be strong. In spite of the lack of detail, be strong and courageous. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. I will equip you for the task at hand. And you will lead these people. Now, friends, this morning, when you compare the life and leadership of Moses and the life and leadership of Joshua, there's a big difference. You go back to Deuteronomy chapter 34, it talks about the strength of Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh and all of his officials, and so on and so forth. There is a potential here for quite a comparison of leadership and gifting, and so on and so forth. And being in church work for over 40 years, there's a lot of people at times that feel that, well, really, I'm not a part of this. I'm just a lowly little person that comes to church every week, and I put my tithe in, and so on and so forth, but I'm really not too recognized. God nurtured Joshua, who was not the gifted man that Moses was. But God equipped Joshua to lead these people. And so what I'm saying this morning in the lack of detail and all of these things, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, 
and are nurtured by the Spirit, He will give to you in your heart a great sense of His presence that you are His child. And He will give you peace in your gifting that will enable you to feel a part of this church and be sensitive and aware of how vital you really are. I've often wondered just how Moses nurtured and mentored the life of Joshua. Just an aid. How Moses nurtured that man's life. And how God, before all of these people, said, this is the man I'm choosing to lead you to the promised land. And he's not going to be a failure. And God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'll lead you, I will not forsake you, and I will lead you to the promised land that God, that I've chosen for you. And then you go on into the second command of God to Joshua in verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you, and do not turn from it to the left or to the right. That's actually right to the left. I'm wondering, waiting for somebody to say, Hey, Pat, read the Scriptures right. You know, I'm just kidding, having fun. Be strong and very courageous to be careful to obey all the law my servant gave you, and so on and so forth. Now, what is the law this morning? What is the law referred to here in, in Joshua chapter 1? Can someone tell me? I believe in participation. Uh, what's the law referred to here? Very good. What else? Oh, you're not supposed to be that bright. <laughs> Anything else on this? That's the great law. This is what we are to set our will and testament on. Notice with me what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And turn to that quickly for a minute or two. And then we'll go over to the New Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and so on and so forth. We are to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. We're to meditate on that day and night. It's not to depart from us. And that what, that's what gave Joshua the tremendous strength to lead these uh, particular people. Well, let's go over now to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. And we'll have the New Testament comment as it relates to the great law. Verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's the law. Now I want to do a little teaching with you as it relates to uh, 
heart, soul, and mind from Webster's Dictionary. Let's look at the heart for a moment. It's the center of a person. It's the center of the person's emotions. It's the center of one's personality. It's the center of the attributes of a person. We are to love God with all of our hearts, knowing the heart of God. Knowing His person. Knowing His truth. Knowing His grace. Knowing His chastening in your heart. And as a result of knowing God in your heart, the centerpiece of you as a person, it will give you tremendous strength and tremendous courage to be a part of the church and part of the process of finding a new lead pastor. God has chosen to bless our hearts. And there's a part of our hearts that is so special to Him that it's only He who can satisfy the depths and longings of the heart. Nothing else. And that's where there's a lot of difficulty times when it comes to the heart. We, we allow other things to come into the metrics of our heart. How many of us watched the football game the other night, uh, the college championship game, where Colt McCoy was injured on the fifth play of the game? You could just feel the heart of that team go down. Because he's the centerpiece of that team. God nurtures the heart. God satisfies the heart. He brings to the heart confidence, a sense of well-being, a, a sense of who I am. We are to dwell on that. We are to be strong in that. And that's what brings trophies of grace and unity to the life of the church. God said to Joshua, be obedient to this particular process. Notice the soul. It's the center of one's being as far as feelings and thinking is concerned. It's the soul that, when we're called home, that departs to the heaven. The feeling of the soul, the depth of that resolve, Webster. It gives us a sense that in our normal dying process, like Jesus, who died perfectly, we who die as delivered Christians, it gives us the peace in our dying process that we are His child. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all dying today. We're all in transition. But it's the peace and presence of God that enables us to become stayed and resolved and happy and contented because the soul is nurtured by the Spirit. And as a result of that, we can find the truth that is needed to transition our church to the new lead pastor. The mind, according to Webster, it's the seat of consciousness. Romans 12 talks about the renewing of the mind to test and prove God. Jacques Ellul in his book of, uh, of Two Minds basically says this, As we doubt, and how many have doubted these days in the last several months in our transitions, whatever they might be. But we've stayed loyal to the principles of obeying God, even though we have some mental doubt about these particular things. Jacques Ellul says, if we have these kind of mental doubts, but continue to be focused 
on the reality of God's person and His presence and His truth, it deepens our mental character. So as we have some doubts about the transition a little bit, continue to focus on Him. And He will deepen our character. We become a deeper church in terms of its essence and its truth as we understand the leader of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to renew our minds in these truths. Strength. The quality of being strong. Ever watched a marathon race and these guys set out to run 26 miles and 385 yards? And how these guys ultimately get to the end. Some of these African runners, it's amazing what these guys do. And we've been in Africa several times. I just don't know how these guys do it and the diets that they have over there. It's amazing, the strength. God will give us a strength in our person, in our physical, to remain strong, above fatigue, and we can get the job done. I know what it is to run some marathons over when I was younger, of course. And how much it takes out of you. And how much stress can take things out of us physically. Just ask my doctor who looks at my back. I have a back problem. Stress has eaten up a lot of portion of my back. But I'm strong because of God's grace. Very simple, very profound. God said to Joshua, Obedience, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's move now a little bit further down in our transition scene as it relates to Christ. Christ came to us. And God gave Him through the Holy Spirit a perfect birth. A perfect ministry. A perfect death. But let's come to the cross a little bit and look at Christ as it relates to the fullness of the Spirit in His life, as it relates to His mind, as it relates to His soul. His mind said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. His emotion said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't take a swipe at Pilate. He didn't say to us, well, sheepers, you know, I guess i got to do this because it's the only way these guys are going to have any kind of hope at all for salvation. He said, I forgive you. I forgive you. Past, present, and future. Because of the residing presence of the Gospel of God in His life. Christ loved God with all of His heart, with all of His soul, with all of His mind, and with all of His strength. And was perfect when he finally died. And out of that perfection in his dying process, we have the whole gift of blood. We have the whole gift of reconciliation. We have the whole opportunity of finding strength to live obedient lives to Christ with our minds and our hearts and our wills and our strength as it relates to this transition process. Are we united in our belief that Christ is enough? The Gospel is adequate in every way. It's over in the abundance. 
And we can trust Him. We can live by faith all the details are lack thereof. We can be obedient to the truth because it's life-changing and eternal and all-encompassing, all-sufficient, forever. We just need a, some examples of that as it relates to where we are as a church in these particular days. And you come down to verse 9 of the text where God says to Joshua one more time, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Now, why did God say that to Jeremiah or to Joshua? He's human. But to become discouraged and to become disobedient, that is an affront to the gospel because we have the example of Christ. Discouragement comes to us, but it should be the trigger point of asking God for the presence of His Holy Spirit and also truth to help us to weather these particular storms that we may find ourselves in. Don't be fearful. Faith casts out fear. It's an opportunity to reach to God. Be challenged by the Spirit of God and the fullness of Christ to see how we can become a contented, resolved, peaceful person, people, church. You want to know something? This community is looking at us right now. We were out the other day, and uh, we, we arrived here on Thursday, and I met a person downtown here on Friday. And uh, we talked for a few moments, and she asked us, why are you in Erie for? Because we kind of tell her we're just here as a, doing some consultant work and other words that we used. And She says, well, I'm going to become the interim pastor at First Alliance Church. This person does not go to an evangelical church. And she said to me, that is a good church. They're watching us. What I'm saying this morning, if we observe the great commandment and live by faith in the lack of detail and don't become discouraged and get involved with personal preference, we will see the gift of God in a Ludi pastor. It's as simple as I can say to you but it's also as profound as I can make it. It's the gospel. We've had tremendous music on that this morning. We're going to rehearse it again as our music minister comes and leads us. Let's pray, shall we? Father, strengthen us in the inner man by the Spirit to continue to be all that you want us to be and grow. May your will be accomplished through this transition period. May unity, may unity be clear in the fullness of the Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.